Recording from the Sunshine City, St. Petersburg, Florida, overlooking beautiful Tampa Bay, this is the Sonography Lounge, sponsored by Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute. This podcast is dedicated to medical professionals and patients around the world interested in diagnostic and interventional ultrasound. Our podcast will discuss everything ultrasound, from news, trends, career paths, new technology, and industry updates. Hosted by Lori Green and Tricia Rio of Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute, they bring over four decades of experience in the ultrasound profession and are here to guide you through this journey. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on the Sonography Lounge, where we talk about everything ultrasound. My name is Lori Green, and I'll be co-hosting today's episode with Trisha Rio. Hey, everybody. So glad to have you with us today. Uh, Today's episode is part of our Women's Health series, and we're going to be talking about fetal heart screening. We're so happy to have with us Jill Bython, and she's going to discuss with us fetal heart screening, the AIUM guidelines, and how to integrate the additional views into your OB protocol. So welcome, Jill. Let me go ahead and just tell you a little bit about Jill. She's a registered sonographer from Fergus Falls, Minnesota, where she is currently working as an ultrasound consultant. She's worked in the sonography profession since 1980 and is registered in breast, abdomen, OBGYN, vascular, adult echo, and fetal echo. She lectures extensively throughout the United States on OB ultrasound, fetal echo, and other ultrasound topics. We have worked with her for many years, and we're so happy to have us today on this podcast. Welcome, Jill. Hi. Hello, everyone. Um, Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We're so happy to have you here with us today, Jill. Um, You know, the OB exam protocols and guidelines for performing the 18 to 22 week gestation anatomy exams have changed quite a bit in recent years, particularly when it comes to the evaluation of the fetal heart. And we know that there are many sonographers who are not exactly sure how to perform fetal heart screening, what exactly to look for, and how to effectively implement the guideline changes into their clinical practice. So our goal in having you today here is to dis- discuss these items and, and help to answer some of those questions for the sonographers who are struggling a bit with that. So let's just start out um, uh, with our first question, just talking about what exactly is fetal heart screening? Um, that's a great question. Fetal heart screening is what we perform, the views um, and evaluation that we perform during our second trimester exam. And that exam is done at about 18 to 22 weeks. And the AIOM guidelines has have changed uh, quite a bit. And the most recent change with the heart was in 2018. So way back in 2000 and about 2009, I think it was, um, the AIUM guidelines. And, and you know, the AIUM guidelines are incorporated with ACR, Maternal Fetal Medicine, Society of Radiologists. So it's a big number of groups that come together to put together these guidelines. And about 2009, they changed. It was a really big change. And they they added um, LVOT and RVOT. Before that, it was just a four-chamber heart. That's uh, all we were looking. And they added those. And, and then they kind of put this little statement in, well, you do these if it's technically feasible. Everything we do is technically feasible, I think. I mean, a fever length <laughs> is technically feasible, you know. Absolutely. So, I, uh, I, uh, that, that was kind of a little bit of a silly statement, but it kind of gave people some time to to learn it, I guess. 
And 2013, they took off if technically feasible. So that was a big year for those of us um, scanning OB because um, now they're saying, look, you've got to do an LBOT and RBOT view. And they kind of gave you a few pointers on how to do it. And then 2018, the end of 2018, there was a revision to the AIUM guidelines and they added the three vessel view and the three vessel trachea view. And um, and again, it says if technically feasible, but that'll come off too. <laughs> so, so these are the views that, that the AIUM guidelines says you should do. Everyone can make a protocol in their lab and you can do whatever you want. You know, you, you can do whatever you think is important to do. But the guidelines are, are meant to, this is minimum. You know, you should be doing these, um, these particular views. So a complete fetal echo is when, when you um, go to a lab that um, sometimes maternal fetal medicine or pediatric echo or performs and they, and they look at everything with the heart. They have multiple views. They use Doppler, they use color, and their purpose is really to figure out exactly what the anomaly is. Usually it's usually it was found somewhere else and they're referred into them. And then and then they have to decide who to refer this um, family to for um, for birth and how to get ready. So fetal heart screening is not a complete echo. It is just particular views. Absolutely. And I think that's probably one of the um, areas that causes a lot of anxiety for sonographers that have been, uh, many of them still performing OB exams with the 2009 criteria and um, freaking out that, oh, no, I don't know how to do the outflow tracks. And now they want me <laughs> to do this three vessel view. And what the heck is a trachea, three vessel trachea view? And, and all of a sudden, they're feeling like, I not only have to learn how to do all these views, but the and identify anatomy I'm not really that comfortable with. And then they probably have in the back of their mind that I need to know what all of these congenital heart <laughs> disease uh, pathologies look like. And so I can understand why there's this sense of anxiety out there among a lot of sonographers. We, you know, here at Gulf Coast, we, we do a lot of um, training with OBGYN and that that's always one of the comments is like, I have no idea what I'm doing with the fetal heart. I know how to do a four chamber, but that's it, you know? And so, right. so I, that's, I would assume that that's part of the anxiety is it really isn't a clear cut, um, in the minds of sonographers, there, you know, what is the difference? What what exactly do I really need to know in order to effectively integrate this? And so that's a, a nice um, description on the difference between a fetal heart screening and a fetal echo. And so, when performing. Um, a fetal heart screening, um, you know, obviously with OB, it's it's a dynamic type of exam. The, the fetus is moving around and, um, you know, it takes the skill set of just being able to do the OB exam itself. But now you're trying to look at the heart and the baby's twirling around or maybe not in the right position. So I would assume that there's some exam limitations to performing fetal heart screening. Yeah, really the same ones there are for performing a um, the rest of the anatomy on the fetus, mm -hmm. you babies move around on you and, um, and, uh, you think you've got a good kidney view and then they flip over and, and, um, 
So it's kind of the same things. You want fluid, you know, if they have oligohydramnios, it's really hard. You know, you don't have a window then. So you need a window and then the heart makes it even more difficult because it's beating at, you know, 100 beats per minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and it's the size of a dime or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, it's and very, very small. They're telling us, oh, go on and, and evaluate four chambers and four valves and the great vessels that leave the heart. You bet that's intimidating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that um, there is a way to simplify it, but I don't think it's caught on really well. I, I'm screaming it from the rooftops whenever I get a chance to speak on it. Um, but what they've done with these views, if you if you think about the four chamber view, it is a transverse view of the fetal heart. And, and, you know, when we're doing OB, we are good at transverse. Mm-hmm. We can get the abdominal circumference, you know, in a second. You know, we're good at that. And then, so then we know that if you just scoot up a little bit, staying transverse, you see the four-chamber view. Now, a good tip to know if you're in, if you're truly in a, in a good four-chamber view and you're not coming oblique at it or, you know, uh, elongating the ventricles or something is look for the fetal ribs. The um, the ribs should be, you should see one complete rib on each side of the fetal thorax. And remember that we always think about the ribs angling down, like you do mm-hmm. a liver scan and you hate those ribs because mm-hmm. you, know, you can't get it through a sagittal. <laughs> remember, yeah, in the fetus, um, the, the lungs aren't expanded. So, so the ribs are coming straight up perfectly um, with a transverse view. So if you get a four chamber view, look for a rib on each side, a full rib, not a railroad track look. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now you know you're in a four chamber view. And then you need to evaluate um, different elements of the four chamber view. And those include, um, um, oh, how the heart is tipped in the chest is it is did something go wrong in in embryology formation that's thrown the heart off into a different position or or what about the middle of the heart where there's the all the valves coming together that's the crux of the heart and that's a big area that must be evaluated really well cuz it's one of those big things that go wrong mm-hmm. so um then um, then to get the rest of the views, all you're going to do is angle. You're not going to move anymore. Like like you move the transducer from the abdominal circumference up to the thorax. Now you're just going to angle the beam up towards the fetal head. And of course, baby needs to be cooperating and not rolled in a ball mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> so now you get what you can. You come back and get it, you know, later. But then on all the AIUM views is all transverse views. So we, we sweat about, oh, what about sagittal, aortic arch, and, and ductal arch, and that kind of stuff. The AIUM doesn't say um, to do those. Now, of course you can, and of course you would with a complete fetal echo. But the views that the AIUM are telling you to do in screening are all transverse views. So it's not that tough. Um, you just kind of have to think about that. Mm-hmm. And as you as you move your beam from a four chamber, you're coming more anterior in the in the chest. Well, anterior is going to be um, more the right ventricle and the 
um, you know, kind of depending on how the heart is, is sitting in there. Mm-hmm. And, and so they just say, keep going up until you don't see any heart structures anymore. And, um, and, uh, and look at the different valves and the different chambers that you're going through. And then we, we leave the heart. Um, and that's what really gets confusing because once you can't see chambers anymore, now you're just seeing the great vessels, the aorta and the pulmonary coming off. But you can't, you don't have any reference anymore because you've angled so much, you're not in the atria or the ventricles anymore. And these are your three vessel views. And, and I think they're scary because you don't have a reference point. It's just these blobs of black, you know, mm-hmm. up there. And you're supposed to decide, well, how are they laying? Mm-hmm. Um, um, but it's really not that difficult. It's it's all transverse views. You can decide to do additional views if your lab wants. You can make any protocol you want. But these views were decided on over a number of years by you know a number of authors in order to find all or you know you never say all almost all major congenital heart disease. So these views will find. That's why they're picked. Each view has a different reason for for why it needs to be done. Like the left ventricular outflow tract view is looking at where the muscular septum meets the membranous septum, right? Right up below the aortic valve. And we're looking for a VSD there. That's really the big reason you do an LBOT view. And then you come up into the RBOT view, and that really is a three-vessel view. You're not seeing um, chambers anymore in that view. So then they, so then you just move up from the RBOT three vessel and three vessel trachea view are, you know, a millimeter apart. They're really not very far apart. And what you see in those views are the three vessels that are transverse, okay, anterior and superior to the heart. And that will be the superior vena cava way over on the right. And then your aorta uh, and your pulmonary. And you're just looking for for how these vessels lie next to each other, what are the size of the vessels? Because the size means volume of blood. So if you have a valvular anomaly, you might have um, uh, less blood flow through there, and the and the artery will be smaller. So it's you can learn, you can learn what the normal is. You do not need to know that this is tetralogy of Fallot or this is. Um, uh, hypoplast, or this is, you know, um, a double all of right ventricle or something like that. You, in screening, you need to know what normal looks like. And you need to obtain those pictures and, um, and, and be able to show your reading position those pictures. Good. That's a really good point that you're making there, just being familiar with normal. And I think when learning ultrasound, that's kind of where we all start, right? We all start with normal. This is what normal looks like. So that way, when we see abnormal, it's like, wait, that doesn't look normal. We might not know exactly what's not normal, but we know something's not normal. And then that's where the patient gets referred on. So I think just hearing those words will ease a lot of sonographers' minds that you're not expected to know each and every one of these congenital heart defects and what they're going to look like at imaging. You're just expected to know what a normal heart looks like. Right. 
I right. think their goal is is to identify the anatomy, uh, determine if it's normal or not, and if it's not normal, then at that point, where they they may get referred on to the maternal fetal medicine physician or PD for a pediatric echo or pediatric pediatric mm-hmm. echo department to um, to mm-hmm. have further evaluation to to rule out whatever type of congenital heart disease might be present. Yeah, and I so. think that. It's not just, do you see an abnormality? It's sometimes it's, are you just suggesting there's an abnormality? Because when we scan and you're in the four chamber view and that all looks okay, you know, and then you scan up and you're in three vessel views and and the vessels are quite in the right location, um, you need to send that one in. You need to trust yourself. Trust yourself to say this, when I scan up, transverse and superior and anterior, I should see these three vessels in these positions and they should be these sizes. If they're not, don't automatically think you did something wrong because we tend to do that. It must be <laughs> up, mm. you know. Yeah. So you, you need to send them on because, um, and obviously like anything else in ultrasound, the more we do, the better we get. Yeah, of course. Yes. I think somebody's just afraid to make that call if they're unsure because, you know, you're worried about what's going to happen. Well, nothing's going to happen. The patient's going to go for further evaluation and they're going to tell them everything's fine if everything's fine or everything's not fine. And then they're going to get the help that they need. But I think you just have to get over the idea of, well, I don't want to create all this fuss for nothing if I'm wrong. Well, you don't want to miss it either. So just say something doesn't look right and let the experts figure out the rest from there. Right. Better not look. (laughs) You should get training in it. I mean, um, schools, I've taught at a school and I was teaching fetal heart screening and a little bit of fetal, complete fetal echo. And um, um, the schools have a, have a, you know, very strict curriculum. They have a lot to get through in their OB portion of their training. There's, you know, there's fluid and cervix and placenta and all of this other anatomy. So learning the anatomy of the heart and the embryology of the heart isn't really high priority in school because we're trying to do entry level. You know, Mm -hmm. we just got to get them starting. And so what I've seen is, you know, even with your, even with your top notch, you know, accredited schools, um, they don't get into the fetal heart very much. And so you come out, you know, scared to death of the thing. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of sonographers are not really that confident or comfortable with um, how the heart functions, uh, let alone just knowing the structural anatomy. But how you know the blood, how blood flows through the heart, the fetal circulation, um, those kind of things. So it's very intimidating for them to. So it's it's much more advanced than your than your standard learning, your standard OB. Like you said, there's so much to learn in doing a standard OB. And then you add in the fetal heart, which is a lot more complex in in its physiology and anatomy. And then you throw in some congenital heart disease and things aren't in the right places. So it can be it can be quite stressful to learn, right? (laughs) Makes your palms sweat. (laughs) But the thing um, I wanted to point out, too, which I thought you did a really good job with with um, pointing out about it's all transverse views and you're starting out in a view that you're comfortable with um, a transverse of the abdomen. And if you take that systematic approach that you outline that 
that's going to reduce uh, the learning curve and it's going to improve your confidence level because you will have some structures to be able to use as landmarks to help you identify until you get up to that um, three-vessel view and uh, three-vessel trachea view, which might be a little bit more complex for you. But I think that approach is, is a very um, good simplified it, it approach. really more simple than people think. It's very intimidating. So you also assume it's really hard. And people have been pushing these other views on us for so long that we think they're mandatory, like like arch views and that kind of stuff. And they might be a little more difficult. You know, um, mm-hmm. you don't look in that plane except for looking at the fetal spine, usually. So they're, they're, it's quite confusing. Um, I teach a, a, just a, you know, a simple method if you wanted, um, you know, for shorter uh, learning sessions, I just teach what's normal and what's normal in the four chamber view and give them a checklist Mm -hmm. to check off this thing. Did you see this? Did you see this? Did you see that? And that's comforting. Right. Yeah. And then go up to the three vessel views and, and give that a checklist. Well, you know, what should you see? In, in any of the three vessel views, which is RVOT, three vessel, three vessel trachea view. Well, you should see how they're lined up. They should be lined up in a diagonal fashion. The sizes of the two arteries should be the same. The, um, that once you get up to the trachea view, you want to see that the aorta and the pulmonary are both on the same side of the trachea. Uh, very important. And each of these things rule out different different anatomy so even if you went to the heart and you did a four chamber and you just you know you weren't sure that left ventricle was the right size but you're pretty convinced you'd screwed it up somehow <laughs> and and then you get up to the the three vessel views which are really needed because then you look at the sizes and if if you've got a hypoplastor which is caused from a valvular thing or or you know other anomalies which you don't have to know what they are mm-hmm. but you get up there all of a sudden the size of the aorta is teeny compared to the size of the pulmonary. You don't have to know anything else. That is wrong. Mm-hmm. That is send them out. Right. Um, when I get a chance to teach longer sessions, you know, a full day or something, I really like to get into some basic embryology because what we're doing here is saying, did everything form right? Right. You know, and, and the heart is formed. Cardiogenesis is done by eight weeks. You know, it's it's complete. Mm-hmm. So, it's done before you usually know you're even pregnant. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And um, so if you kind of just take the main parts of the heart that go together, you know, how do your atria go to your ventricles? How do your ventricles go to your your great arteries? And and know how those are supposed to uh, embryologically form. It's easier to figure out why am I looking at the crux of the heart? Well, because that area often doesn't form right with, with um, certain, with particularly with a, a trisomy 21. So we always look at that. But, um, you know, training is out there and golf course offers some, you know, wonderful um, training for fetal heart. And so you have to sometimes just take it upon yourself or, you know, if, if you didn't get it in school, if you didn't happen to get it in your clinical site, um, you know, um, there are there are other places to get this training and make sure you do because you don't want to keep doing something for years and years and never feel comfortable with it. Right. Absolutely. I think that's a good, good um, recommendation. And and as you said, you know, 
if you're already doing OB ultrasound, which you, most of the people are already there beyond that, they've been scanning probably for some time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you know, your OB scanning, you know, the various types of uh, fetal, fetal abnormalities that can occur and what kind of structural changes that might be present with different types of um, anomalies. So you're just taking what you already know and you're expanding on that to learn more about the fetal heart. And if you take baby steps with that of first, how do I scan the heart? How do I get these views? What structure should I see? What are their normal sizes? Um, what's normal chamber sizes? What's what's normal vessel sizes? Um, just mm-hmm. from a visual. And then, like you said, if, they, if they're not seeing what you should see in normal, you don't have to worry about that. I don't know all the different congenital heart diseases that defects that can occur. I just know this isn't normal. And then that person gets referred on and you did your job there. You made sure that 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 patient was able to go on to get the next level of evaluation so that the parents are able to make sure they have the appropriate um, care uh, during delivery and after delivery. But even though that's what you need to know with your baby steps, the next step is with anything in ultrasound, you know, you, you ultrasound such a dynamic profession that we're in. And one of the reasons mm-hmm. that makes it so exciting is that you're always able to learn something new. And so take it to mm-hmm. the next level and start learning a little bit about some of the more commonly seen congenital heart defects so that when you are scanning, then you're going to, as you see more and more, just like you said, practice makes perfect. You're going to see these different defects, you know, occur and take it to the next level as what did that patient have? And oh, now that makes sense. And before you know it, you're going to be a lot more confident in not only how you perform it, but what you're seeing and that you are not making a technical error, but that it is truly um, an abnormality that's present. So um, I I think your recommendation is really great that um, training is, is, is really important and the emphasis is that uh, one should never become stagnant in their learning, that they should always strive to, 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 to learn more so that this, the uh, service that you're providing to your patient is of the utmost quality and you know that you've done your best. Oh, for sure. I mean, I have a cousin whose daughter was born with a congenital heart defect and the mm. difference between them knowing beforehand and the facility that she delivered in, the care that they received, the surgery right. that her daughter got, it, it changed everything, changed her whole outcome. It does. It, th- and that's our goal is just to find an anomaly so that they can re- be referred. Yeah. You know, and and many places like Fergus Falls, Minnesota, you know, um, most places don't have cardio- pediatric cardiologists mm-hmm. wait to do surgery. You know, right. we've got to get, get down to Minneapolis, you know, to so we don't want to be born here. We want to have a birth plan. Exactly. Yeah. One thing I want to mention too is we, in as sonographers, we're we're so good at at adding, 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 adding. You know, we we um um do this view, do this view, and then now all of a sudden do these three more views. So one thing we can do ourselves a favor with is we never demanded that we are allowed more time to do these extra views. Mm-hmm. People are still doing OB in 30 minutes. 
And and then and then they say, oh, okay, now you have to do the LVOT and the RVOT, and now you have to do the three vessel view and the three vessel trachea view. We should have added another 15 minutes on to do this. So you wonder why it's so um, anxiety filled is is we're all constantly pushed for time, and um, that's why we have to have checklists. We have to do things. Um, you know, we have to really know it because you got to get through it. You know, fairly quickly. But we should have pushed harder. Um, you know, nationally, I think to say we're just not doing this unless we get another fifteen minutes or so. Right. And, uh, and that's been a big problem. Is add this, add this, add this. Well, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very true, um, Jill. Everybody's uh, pressed for time and uh, patient mm-hmm. throughput, and um, you know, I think some of that might lie on the uh, professional societies, AIUM and ACR and so forth that are implementing mm-hmm. changes in the guidelines that to add into their, you know, they, they're putting in some cases, if technically feasible, I think that's kind of the till you learn it kind of thing. And then it's not going to be right. technically feasible anymore. But uh, the other thing they should add is, you know, we're asked, you're, you're evaluating the, the fetal heart, you're screening the heart for any kind of uh, abnormality that might need further evaluation. With, if you're going to do that, it's going to take extra time. And so if if the if AIUM and ACOG and uh, ACR and so forth, if they implement that into the guidelines that we recommend adding 15 minutes, I mean, that's that's nothing for them to add that into the guideline, you know, then it that helps. Cute. Yeah. And right. it helps well, in educating that, them, the administrators, because yeah. they don't. They don't understand that. They're just like, yeah, well, okay, you got to do three extra views. They don't understand the time that's involved, and especially in doing an OB. So it, this is actually, you know, correct in that not only do the sonographers have to be educated, but the administration has to be educated on what time is needed to be allocated. And that's with a lot of different exams, right? Because, you know, any it specialty is. you add on, oh, let's you know, we add on these extra echo calculations, but we're all still going to mm-hmm. give you 30 minutes or, you know, and so that's pretty much across the board. And, and you're correct that that should be addressed because by the professional societies when they're writing their guidelines, they should have some recommended. Yeah, I think that it's it's a kind of a way of um, shoot shoot an email to your manager or to your administrator or something and say, look, I'm really concerned that I don't have enough time because we have now have additional views. Now you have it in writing. Mm-hmm. So in the future, you if if you end up in court or something, you can say, look, I asked two years ago and I didn't get this additional time. You know, this was a problem. You know, cover yourself. Right. Yeah. And we should have, and it should have come from guidelines. Absolutely. Absolutely should have. You wonder why we're all anxiety ridden. Right. (laughs) Well, I think also a a conversation with the interpreting physician, you know, the radiologist, get them involved, get them on your side, because they also feel the burden because now they have to interpret these additional images and make decisions as to does this patient need to be referred on. So if anybody's going to understand your play, it's them and you get them on your side and they start balking in the administrator's ears and people start listening. And it it just it takes a team effort and everybody has to be on the same page I think it it does and I think that um you know in big labs it that's your management that's your supervisors and your managers too because you might have 40 sonographers and they don't you know they don't generally have the time to get involved in anything else but as a as management and ultrasound we need to push some of this stuff 
um, because it's we're, we're we're just putting all the the stress on ourselves. We're saying now I got to do this and I got to do it quicker and I got to do this and I got to do that and and um and we're just adding on and we should have put our foot down and said no, you know that isn't that isn't technically feasible. <laughs> <laughs> Throw their word back at them. That's right. <laughs> it's not technically not feasible. feasible. I can't that do all of this hard. in 30 minutes. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so, it is. I recommend a checklist in fetal heart screening. I recommend a, um, uh, a, a checklist for the things that you should look at in the four chamber view and the things that you should look for to decide normalcy in the in the uh, also track views yeah Yeah. i think that's an excellent uh recommendation and that will help um expedite the number one the learning process but also it will help provide the confidence level that when they're performing these exams that they have looked at everything and then once they've done enough of them utilizing the checklist um and they've checked that off and they've got that as part of their chart. They, they can feel confident that they did the did everything that they could possibly do that was technically right. feasible. So. Yeah. I mean, Jill, you wrote an excellent protocol manual for us. And it includes mm-hmm. basically that checklist going through each of those views as well as images to refer to. So you can see normal versus abnormal. Right. This is a, a excellent protocol, fetal heart screening protocol manual that uh, Jill mm-hmm. wrote. And it's basically a step by step guide for evaluating the fetal heart um, with some gorgeous images in it. And then it also comes along with a online video that um, you can watch her perform an exam step by step and narrating what she's doing and what she's seen. So, um, you know, it's an excellent um, uh, product to be able to help someone get started and also to help you to develop your protocols for your for your lab. In fact, you could use it as your protocols. Exactly. (laughs) we just updated. I mean, I've, yes. I've spoken for a number of years, but just this summer, mm-hmm. we updated um, my lecture mm-hmm. for you yep. to cover all of that material and um, and uh, um, to have it uh, in a brand new um, format. And and uh, I don't think it's on a DVD. I think it's something you online. Yeah, yeah. We, it's an online activity, right? Yeah, but it's, um, it's basically... Um, a, a very comprehensive um, presentation on fetal heart screening, and um, you definitely, if you're if you're just learning how to do fetal heart screening, that would be a a, a very beneficial um, product for you to consider purchasing, uh, and or the fetal heart screening uh, protocol manual to have in your lab to to get right. everybody on the same page because it is going to be important that if you have um, multiple sonographers in your lab that there's consistency and and who's how everyone is performing your your OB exams and that's the same across the board and really in any specialty and where right. lab accreditation uh, you know comes into play in, as well and uh, so that you want to have consistency in how the exams are performed as well as in the interpretation criteria so across the board so those are all areas that you know Jill and I um, have worked together for many many years here at Gulf Coast and and been uh, friends for a long time and mm-hmm. um, uh we definitely have um, appreciated all of the the uh, help that you have given to us in our in offering the training here at Gulf Coast, and I would just uh, say that 
for anyone who's intimidated um, about having to incorporate these additional views and how to get started, that certainly is a great way to, to get your feet going forward in the right direction. And everyone uh, really needs to just take the time to to get the training that you need. And obviously, we're always available here at Gulf Coast and, and we work closely with Jill and um, through several self-directed education activities or even having uh, one of our instructors, Jill, or one of our other instructors come on site and do some scanning with you to help you improve your skills and confidence level. Um, we're here to help you at all, at all times. And um, I know Jill would is always happy to come to Florida and, <laughs> and work with us. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking out at the frozen lake in front of me. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet it's pretty cold there right now. We're, we're here. We're looking out the window at the uh, waterfront here and people out there boating oh. in sunny Florida. I think it's Stop like it. not a cloud <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> Got my flip flops on, even though I'm at work. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well we were just walking on the lake the other day with my grandkids, not out too far because it's not really thick, but, you know, we drive our trucks on the lakes up here. In the I know that just totally Throws blows my mind. <laughs> All I can say is burr. Well, it's always a pleasure working with you, Lori. Yeah. And, and, um, we've, we've talked about fetal heart screening for many years and we've kept updating it with with uh, the protocol manual. I've updated a couple times mm-hmm. and that. The new uh, information that we just did this summer is is right up to, you know, it's got everything new in it. Absolutely. So just put it together this summer and and it's got my checklist. In it, and I think yeah. that's really, really helpful for people is to use a checklist. Yes. Yep. yes. Totally agree. Best way to learn. Yeah. Well, Joe, we really appreciate you taking the time to um, uh talk with us today about fetal heart screening and um, we're looking forward to uh, having you down here again soon in uh, 2022. I can't believe we're already near there. (laughs) Um, So um, we appreciate you joining us and for all of our all of our followers that her are joining us today. We're so happy to have you here with us. And um, as always, if you have any questions, you could give us a call or email us and uh, we'll be happy to help you out. All right. Thanks everybody for joining us today and uh, getting a chance to speak with Jill and learn all about the new guidelines for the fetal heart screening. So thank you so much, Jill, for being with us. Great. Thank you, everyone. My okay. pleasure. Okay. Well, have a wonderful day, everyone. Happy scanning. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sonography Lounge. Don't forget, if you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, at Sonography Lounge, and Twitter, at Sonography LNG. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, feel free to send an email to us at sonographylounge.com at gmail.com. Have a great week and scan, scan, scan.